politicians and pundits love to talk about criminal justice reform. And important progress has and continues to be made to root out racism and bias in law enforcement and sentencing. But according to a group of former, longtime felons and drug addicts, who have over 400 arrests between them and over 150 years of combined incarceration, true criminal justice reform begins with accountability. True accountability, they say, is the essence of true compassion. Founder of the Other Side Academy, best-selling author and behavioral influence strategist Joseph Grenny joins us on this special edition of Therefore What? Therefore What? is a weekly podcast that breaks down the news while breaking down barriers, challenges you in the status quo, explores timely topics and timeless principles, and leaves you confident to face what's next. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor for the Deseret News, and this is Therefore What? Well, Joseph, we are very grateful to have you joining us on this special edition of Therefore What? as we talk about some of those things relating to criminal justice reform. You are, I always say, you are the ultimate in behavioral scientist, influencer, and strategist. <laughs> and you, you've been part of an experience and an experiment relating to criminal justice and really helping people reform and change and get control of their lives and become positive members of society again with the Other Side Academy. And, and let's start with that. Tell us kind of the genesis, the origin of the Other Side Academy, what it's doing, why it's different, and why we need to use it as a model. To move things forward. Yeah, thank you, Boyd, and thank thank you for this uh, always productive conversation. So, the Other Side Academy started about five years ago. Today, it consists of about a hundred students in Utah, thirty in a growing campus in Denver, Colorado, who have an average of twenty five arrests per student. They come to us usually facing new crimes. They have new sentences outstanding, and they're given the option of coming to the Other Side Academy for a two-and-a-half-year minimum stay to try to change their life instead of serving that sentence. So if our current students on the corner of 700 East and 1st South in Salt Lake City served just the outstanding sentences, they'd be incarcerated for an additional 600 years, (laughs) costing the state about $30 million dollars. But instead, those who complete the Other Side Academy, 88% of them go on to be drug-free, crime-free, and employed. So it's a remarkably effective way to solve one of the, the most insidious problems that we face as a society. And, uh, and unfortunately, it's too little available to those who need it most. Yeah, and it's so fascinating to me that uh, we, do, we do kind of have this revolving door as it relates to criminal justice reform, where people are kind of coming in and out and in and out and addiction and uh, into therapy programs and out. But you, your approach is, is quite different. This isn't about sitting down and, uh, you know, working out your feelings with just a counselor or being incarcerated with a, an armed guard standing over you. It's a very different approach. Correct. It's a peer community. So it's based on a model that's been around for about 50 years called a therapeutic community model. And the idea here is that peers are the best and most potent source of influence for people whose real problem is not crime or drugs. Their real problem is behavior. Their real problem is learning to live life on life's terms. And our assumption is that if you want to learn to live in a healthy community, which is what we want for these people, The best way to do that is to practice living in a healthy community. So, number one, they're responsible to support themselves. The students pay nothing to come. The government pays nothing for them to come. Instead, they have to support themselves. So they run world-class businesses like the Other Side Movers and the Other Side Thrift Boutique and the Other Side Builders. And and they're, they're doing a phenomenal job running these organizations. As they do, their character weaknesses get exposed. 
And that's where the peers step in. The peers give them regular feedback to let them know what they need to work on and hold them accountable for the things they need to improve. And over the course of two and a half, three, four, sometimes five years, some will choose to stay. And they choose to stay. They learn to become a person that they have never met before. So this peer model of influence is remarkably effective, but there are certain kinds of conditions that make it more or less likely for them to succeed at the Other Side Academy. And that's what caused me to reach out to you for this conversation, Boyd. Yeah, it, it seems so interesting to me that the uh, that accountability piece, uh, often uh, the battle, at least in the political circles, tends to center around, you know, if you're soft on crime or tough on crime. Uh, and you're, you're taking it as a completely different model. Yeah, we are. Our assumption is that the best compassion that you can offer to our students to people with a long criminal addiction background is to give them an influence system that that helps them to succeed. And that doesn't always mean being soft on them. In fact, uh, the 25 colleagues I now have, people that graduated from the Other Side Academy that now help run our campus, would tell you absolutely clearly, unequivocally, that the best thing that happened to them was being arrested by the right officers and put in front of the right judge that would hold them strictly accountable for what they had done, that that gave them the precondition for changing their lives. Oh, and I, and I think that's such a, uh, an interesting thing because so often we, we, you know, we talk a lot about the compassion component and, uh, and obviously we want to make sure we're doing things according to the law, but we do have to recognize that rule of law and compassion are actually compatible principles. And part of that compassion does include, as you said, the accountability. Yeah, it certainly does. So, you know, what, what happens every day in, uh, in Utah as well as states around the U.S. is people with long criminal histories will stand in front of judges and will say, please, judge, instead of sending me to prison for five years, can I go to a program? Now, criminal justice reform was supposed to be about offering those sorts of alternatives, but offered the wrong way. We're actually destroying lives rather than helping people change their lives. And that's what we're doing far too often. First of all, we're sending people to programs that are far too short to actually create any real change. If you've been committing mayhem out in society for 20 or 30 years, it seems ludicrous on the face of it to send somebody to a 30 or 60 day program and expect that's going to make any real difference. But we do it over and over and over again. So one thing that's different about the Other Side Academy is people have a chance to stay long enough to really have to confront the problems that get in the way of their succeeding in life. They stay for a couple of years which is really kind of a down payment on the rest of your life when you think about how long they've been at the, uh, the, the crime game before. So, so part one of creating a, a system that actually works is ensuring the solutions that we're offering as an alternative to incarceration are serious, and they, they actually are the size of the problem. Mm, that's so, so important. One of the things I want to ask you to before we, we take it the next step forward is, you know, often we we see that when we do send someone to prison, we actually just send them there to, to learn how to be a better criminal. <laughs> uh, and so they develop those skills and they reinforce that behavior. Uh, one of the things that you've shared with me in the past is this idea that uh, when someone is uh, addicted or on the street or in the gang, uh, they often miss a lot of those important life skills, both actual skills and those softer skills, character skills. Tell us just a little bit of how you uh, incorporate that into this program. Yeah, if, if you think about it, it, it's almost insane that we take a first-time offender and surround them by even more seasoned offenders and then act shocked and offended when they come out of that incarceration better at crime than they were. They learn about more ways of committing crimes. They sit and ruminate about all the times they got high in the past. This is what's happening in jail. 
So they're in a peer community that creates the very behavior that that you and I wish that they wouldn't adopt and commit to more deeply. At the Other Side Academy, the opposite happens. They're surrounded by a group of peers who have lived that life but now have moved beyond it, people who recognize the deficits they have. The fact that that some of our students, you know, we we had one of our students, to give an illustration of your point, uh, come to our Christmas celebration, which the Grand America here in Salt Lake City was kind enough to host us for on, on December 24th. So we sat in a giant ballroom with all of the gifts that were going to be distributed between the students, and, and one looked kind of ashen-faced. And we went over to him and asked, are you okay? And he said, I am, but I'm having a bit of a flashback. I said, what's going on? He said, well, the last time I was at the Grand America Hotel was five years ago. I came in here to buy drugs. I went into a bathroom, and I injected myself with heroin. I was high out of my mind, tripped out in front of the hotel, stole a car that was there uh, being parked by valet parking. I tried to drive it off. One of the valet parking gentlemen uh, jumped in and tried to grab a hold of it. I drove it into a brick wall and almost killed the guy that was trying to stop me. He said, and then I went to prison. That was the last time I was at the Grand America Hotel. And here he is now walking in as a guest, well-dressed, sober, a part of the community. You think about all of the skills he acquired to get to be the man he had been five years ago in that first experience, and all the skills he doesn't have to be able to apply for a job, to be able to have a bank account, to be able to, uh, to show up to work on time, to groom himself appropriately. All of these tiny little skills that you and I take for granted that's what we work on at the Other Side Academy. Simple things like get up on time, work a full day, get along with other people, don't get caught up, tell the truth, and care about other people. And, and those take a long time to inculcate, and that's what they have the opportunity to do at the Other Side Academy. Uh, it's such a, powerful, such a powerful model. I have in front of me a, uh, an op-ed uh, penned by uh, your, many of your students there who have gone through this process. Uh, who are really begging uh, lawmakers in particular to get to that real form of compassion, that accountability, because as they say, uh, if you're just sending us to, uh, to rehab, you're just uh, hurting more people. The recidivism is going to be so high uh, and that things just continue in that downward cycle. Uh, what is it that they're learning that enables them to say, okay, there, there is a better way, there is a better, better model? Yeah, here, here's what they would say needs to happen around criminal justice reform. First of all, they would tell you, and they do in this op-ed piece, that criminal addicts must be given sentences proportionate to the crimes they commit. There's something a whole lot of us in the privileged class like to say to each other these days. They say, we, we, we like to say, don't, don't incarcerate addicts, that, that if the problem is addiction, you shouldn't incarcerate them. Well, what our students will tell you is, don't incarcerate me because I'm an addict. Incarcerate me because I'm a criminal. If I break into your house, if I steal from your car, if I take your checkbook and go to identity fraud, Punish me for that. If we don't hold them accountable for what they do in harming other people, we never give them the opportunity to change. It is almost never the case that somebody that's been a longtime meth or heroin addict just gets up one day and says, gee, I'd like to change my life. The path to change always happens when the pain of changing becomes less than the pain of staying the same. That's... becomes more than, uh, yeah, less than the pain of staying the same. And so when, when that mathematics works out, when that arithmetic works, when we escalate the pain, when I'm facing enough of a sentence and a long enough incarceration, I've lost everything I have again, I've burnt every bridge, that's when they have the opportunity to change. And the more we lengthen that process and rob them of accountability for the consequences for things they've committed, the longer it takes them to change. And sometimes they die first. 
Mm. And we're we're co-conspirators in that death when it happens. Uh, and I know you've had that uh, experience with uh, some who have uh, attempted to come in but uh, didn't quite get through, uh, who went back. T- tell us just a little bit about uh, those experiences and what it is that really gets us from what many are saying is is leniency, uh, but what your students call enabling. Uh, it's it's absolutely horrible to see the effect of it. And again, you and I go to bed at night thinking we're giving them a break, we're giving them a shot, we're showing compassion. And uh, to to the criminal addict, it isn't interpreted that way. It's interpreted as weakness. They see you as a mark. So we just, in fact, just yesterday, somebody who was for a while at the other side academy uh, was arrested for a DUI. He was high on heroin. He was driving at uncontrolled speeds. He got into an accident that could have killed another human being. And the police found him with drugs and paraphernalia and other illegal things in his car with a stolen purse. And he was incarcerated for 24 hours. Mm. Now, now you think about that. There are two problems with this. The first is he's going to put us at risk again. He's going to be high within an hour after he leaves. And he's going to get another vehicle and he could kill somebody this time. Is that fair to society? That's question one. Question two is, is it fair to him? Is that really going to help him confront his problems? He haven't, hasn't even detoxed sufficiently from his previous run, and we're sending him back out on the street again. What do you predict will happen? And how do you define that as compassion? We buried a dear friend that we had at the Other Side Academy for a while, a few months back, who was out for 18 months committing crimes in and out of jail for 24-hour stays with no accountability. And ultimately, he crashed a vehicle into a brick wall and died. And again, thank God nobody else was taken with him. But we lost a young man that didn't have to die. And he would potentially have been in different circumstances if he had been held accountable. That accountability just keeps coming back. I'm looking at some of the words of, uh, uh, of some of your students, uh, and they really say there's, there's three critical pieces to this puzzle, uh, that it's holding accountable, giving options, and then holding us accountable once again, if they uh, if they don't. Yeah, that's exactly the case. So the first hold us accountable is make sure that they give sentences in proportion to the crimes they permit. The, the, the second is, yeah, give options. So if I'm facing a three, four, five-year sentence or a 10-year sentence and, and the judge and the prosecutor agree that, that they're willing to give me an option to go change my life instead, that's fine. But what happens today most of the time is they are sent to a program with no accountability for the crimes they committed. What that means is if they go and attend a 30- or a 60-day program, which often is insultingly short, and they walk away from that program, which they do more than half the time, most don't complete the programs that they're assigned to. What happens then is they wander the streets and eventually come back in front of the judge, and very often what happens is the court will say, well, you know, you you did a decent job at the program, you were there for about half of the time, and, and let's just kind of see how you do. What our students would tell you is, If they were facing a three- to five-year sentence, they ought to be sentenced to that amount of time before they're sent to a program. Then if they don't complete the program, which is the contract they're making, Mm -hmm. if they don't complete the program, they need to know in the back of their mind they will be thrown in jail or prison to complete the sentence. No questions asked, 100% of the time. That's the kind of tight accountability the addict mind needs. And so we, we recently did some research, and this is what caused me to reach out to you, Boyd. We looked at 500 people who had come through the doors of the Other Side Academy and who succeeds and who fails. Here's what we now know. If the courts will send them to the Other Side Academy, having already been sentenced, and knowing that they will have to serve their sentence if they don't complete, 
they are between 200 and 250% more likely to complete the program. 200 and 250% more likely. So no matter how good a job we do at the Other Side Academy, how they arrive here matters enormously. And our criminal justice system needs to do a much better job. This is the equivalent of us discovering a vaccine for COVID, but then keeping it a secret. If we didn't distribute it, if we didn't actually use it, then people would continue to die across the world. Well, this idea needs to be used. This finding, this understanding about accountability needs to be implemented because every day it's costing us lives. I want to go back to this because this is so powerful to me that the the, the success of real criminal justice reform has to be measured by whether it's changing and saving lives. And so I want, I want you to go back uh, to your data again. I know you've got five years of data now. Uh, so you just talked about the fact that if they arrive with that accountability, things are going to go through the roof in terms of opportunity. But then what happens if they do, when they do stay and complete that program? Yeah. So if if students have that accountability, so they have that additional motivation during the tough periods, because the first couple of months, you know it, Boyd, you've been there. It's tough to, to move from a criminal attic life to the strict structure of the Other Side Academy. And I sympathize with people. It'd be tough for, for, for any of us to go into this environment where you live at a moral level that most of us never even aspire to live at. So this is a, a decent, clean environment. And, and so if they arrive on the right terms, they're far more likely to stay. But here's what we know. If they stay for the full two and a half years, which, uh, which over half of those who come through our doors do, if they stay for the full two and a half years, there's an 88% likelihood they will be crime-free, drug-free, and employed over the subsequent years. If they stay even longer, which about two-thirds of our students do, this is remarkable. So students who have completed their commitment to the courts are given an option if they want to to stay even longer at the Other Side Academy. That's the benefit of it being free. They don't have to go find somebody with a big checkbook that's going to pay a whole bunch more tuition for them to stay because they're paying their own way. So if they stay even longer, the odds of them succeeding go well into the 90-plus percentile. So, so this works, being in a peer community that holds them accountable, but arriving with a, with a clear accountability system as well, changes and saves lives. And it costs the government nothing. In fact, it's produced income over the past few years, which is the pride of our students. They were selected as the Ernst & Young Entrepreneurs of the Year two years ago because the enterprises they've created are the envy of others in their industry. So incredible things are happening, but they can't happen if they don't arrive with the right kind of accountability system. Yeah, it's, it's so uh, so vital and such an inspiring thing to, to see and uh, to just reemphasize the fact that you're not taking federal government money or state money or local money that, uh, that these students are learning to provide for themselves. They're being innovative. You know, you always have those, if I had a magic wand, I wish moments. One of the magic wand wish moments I have on a regular basis is when I'm dealing with people who aren't dealing with things very well, I just wish they could go spend a day or just watch the other side movers conduct a move and watch how conversations happen, how character matters, how people hold each other accountable in positive uh, and fresh ways. Uh, and this is just simply a, a better model. Uh, I think it's a human model, and uh, I do think it's it's grounded in that compassion of accountability. Uh, so, Joseph, as you continue to to move this forward, you you've now set up a, another uh, campus in in Denver, Colorado. I know you're exploring other opportunities out there. Uh, what is it that you need from either communities or from lawmakers 
and from the criminal justice system itself to make sure we can show this better way actually is the way to move things forward for, for individuals, for families and communities. Yeah, well, first and foremost, to the point of our conversation today, from our criminal justice system, from uh, judges who today could start sending students with this clear kind of accountability, the prosecutors could help make sure that's structured in. The legislature, looking at criminal justice reform, needs to ensure that, that these, these four principles are honored in creating this accountability system. What we know now is that those arriving at the Other Side Academy, which number in the hundreds, we, we can save and help change far more of those lives if we start doing this just a little bit better. There are great intentions behind criminal justice reform, and particularly dealing with systemic racism and bias and sentencing that you've addressed before. That all needs to be fixed. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves right now, and by, by lightening sentences without ensuring that the alternatives to incarceration are used in appropriate ways, evidence-based ways, as we're suggesting today, uh, it's costing lives. The, the crime rate has actually risen in the past year and a half to two years as we've implemented, implemented criminal justice reform. And the, the prevalence of addiction in our communities has not decreased. So those should be the outcome measures that we hold ourselves accountable by. And it doesn't look like we're doing it right quite yet. We need to continue forward. And I hope these are remedies that help ensure that the numbers start to look better. So that's the first is getting that right. The second our community is already doing a terrific job embracing the Other Side Academy. The Other Side Movers is the number one rated moving company in the entire state. You know, wrap, wrap your mind around that with me, Boyd, <laughs> that you've got former felons being invited into people's homes to move their valuables in a way they had previously done, but, but it was against the law the way they did it not last time. And, and now they're doing it in this professional, incredible way that is supporting the change they're creating in their lives. The Other Side Builders is, uh, is rocking out there. The Other Side Thrift Boutiques are the, the envy of that industry as well. So the community coming and patronizing these businesses tells the students that we believe they can change and we love what they're doing and we endorse it. And the community is doing a terrific job there. Therefore, what? As we come down the, the home stretch, of course, uh, the program is Therefore What? And uh, I'm going to give this one to you, Joseph, <laughs> uh, because I think you can put it best. Uh, so people who've been listening uh, to us for about 20 minutes or so now, they've heard inspired and inspiring things. What do you hope the therefore what moment is for those who are listening today? What do you hope they think differently? What do you hope they do differently as a result of listening to this podcast? Well, I, I think one of the, the greatest challenges for all of us in helping people change in our lives is accountability. It's letting people know how they affect us. It's having tough conversations with them. It's, it's being honest. Uh, students often arrive at the Other Side Academy practically without a conscience. They've been harming people for so long that they don't even know how to feel about it anymore. What we know is the way you develop a conscience, the, ways you, the way you raise the, the, the social game of an entire society is for people to be honest with each other about how our actions affect one another. When we have those conversations honestly and candidly, one of two things happen. Either, either I change or I leave. You know, either I exile myself from society, which we rarely will want to do, or we start to care more about each other. We need to have these conversations. In this past year, as we've seen conversations we've attempted to have about how we affect each other around COVID or about ra around racial equity or around politics, a whole variety of things, we just aren't good at listening to each other or talking to each other. 
And so this notion of accountability begins with honest conversations. And it ends with, which, with legislative change as well. But we can change the world if we learn to talk more honestly and more respectfully with one another. Mm. Joseph Grenny, founder of The Other Side Academy, uh, so grateful to have you here today. And we will just remind everyone that true criminal justice reform begins with accountability. True accountability is the essence of true compassion. Remember, after the story is told, after the principle is presented, after the discussion and debate have been had, the question for all of us is, therefore what? Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening today, and be sure to rate this episode and leave us a review. Follow us on DeseretNews.com slash TW and subscribe to our newsletter. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor for the Deseret News. Thanks for engaging with us on Therefore What?